This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Rising to the Light. And the author is Lisa Mahorney. And Lisa joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Lisa. Hello. Great to have you with us. This is your story, a true story. Your autobiography grew up under the tyranny of Adolf Hitler and the Nazi regime and eventually moved to the United States. And uh, quite a story, quite a story of a young girl growing into womanhood with a determination to be the best she could be. Let me read what you've written, Lisa, a little bit for everyone. You say you grew up in Leipzig, Germany, under the tyranny of Adolf Hitler and the Nazi regime. And as a child, uh, you were confronted with unimaginable experiences, yet through determination, you maintain the perceptions of life's wonders. You even witnessed personally Hitler standing in the back of his convertible, traveling by, raising his Heil Hitler to everyone. Uh, of course, uh, you even were in the Hitler Youth. So a lot of things you experience that are very, very uh, different for us. And even our wildest imagination, we couldn't understand all that you went through. And then right around 1949, you moved to the United States and eventually graduated from college and a lot of great experiences. And Lisa, it's important to tell your story, isn't it? You, you've, you've had a motivation and an ambition to tell your story. Yes. Why is that? Well, I just wanted people to know about these things. Yeah, it's very difficult to really comprehend. You were born in 1928. Yes. What was your earliest understanding uh, about Hitler? I know you say in 1936, uh, even though you saw the brown shirts parading around with black swastikas on their armbands, it really didn't make any sense to you right then. That's right. When did you first realize that Hitler was uh, for real and, and he was uh, a dictator, basically? Well, a few, couple of years later. Tell us about being in the Hitler Youth. What, what can you tell us uh, about that? Well, I had to wear a uniform and I had to salute the flag. And I just thought it was the thing I had to do and I didn't much thought to it. How did that make you feel? I don't know. I don't remember that. It was a long time ago. Okay. All right. But you do remember seeing Hitler. That's right. And what did that? What what kind of an experience was that? Well, it was kind of shocking. I saw him drive by in his convertible, giving his Heil Hitler greeting, like Heil to myself. Heil to himself. Hmm, that's an interesting <laughs> way to put it. I never. But that's kind of. Everybody was uh, recognizing him and saluting him as the Führer, huh? as the right. as the leader of Germany. That's right. And now, uh, 
Did you have to do anything as a Hitler youth that made you feel bad? No, not really. It was just customary thing, and I didn't think much about it. I didn't have to do anything but wear my uniform and come to the meetings. Come to the meetings. Can you remember the things that you were taught? No, I don't. It was a long time ago. Right, right. Now, during the war, uh, you got caught in an air raid. Yeah. I lived in the big city, Leipzig. And I had a run in the cellar, and we had an air raid. It was very dangerous. Very dangerous. And uh, your apartment was hit? Yeah, partly. Pretty, very, very scary, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I was. And uh, eventually, though, you moved to Salzburg, Austria. How, how did that come about? Gosh, I don't remember that now. I know I moved there. Right. Your father uh, was against Hitler? Yes, sir. So he got you out and got the family out. And, and did, did you eventually, I know reading at the beginning of your book, your father wanted to move to Switzerland. That's right. So. My father was part French descended, and he was very anti-Hitler. Very anti-Hitler. And he understood that the uh, Jews were being persecuted. That's right. Did you have friends that were Jewish? My father did. So he was afraid for them. That's correct. So eventually you got out, you moved to Austria, and uh, it says that you became a civil air defense spotter in Austria. What does that mean? That means you had to look through the binoculars to spot airplanes that were coming to bomb. And so you were one of, a, I guess, a lot of people that did that? Yes. Now, when you say going to be bombed, uh, bombed by Hitler or bombed by the Allied forces or both? Uh, gosh, I don't remember all that. Probably by the Allied forces. Uh-huh. Yeah, they were trying to liberate Europe from Hitler. and. Yeah. It was after the war that you had the opportunity. Did your whole family come to the United States? No, I married an American soldier. And you came through Ellis Island. Do you remember coming through Ellis Island? Yes. How, what yes. was the feeling when you saw the Statue of Liberty? Wonderful. Wonderful place. There were a lot of you together coming to Ellis Island? I don't remember that. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Now, moving to this country, did you know English? Yes. So that was helpful. I had it in school. You had it in school. Okay. And you moved here with your husband, and you went to college? Yes, Santa Ana College. And you also, and you also raised a family. How many children do you have? Three. Three. So as you look back, as you look back, Lisa, uh I'm sure you uh, have great love for your mother and father, and they I, I guess they taught you about freedom and liberty? Yes. What, what do you feel about the importance of freedom and liberty? Well, I don't know how to answer it. It's just very important because I knew a lot of places they don't have it. So you remember of your life in Germany, and when you came to the United States, what was your impression, your first impression of the United States of America? 
It's a wonderful free country. You could tell right away, real different than the way you had grown up and what you were experiencing during the war, that's for sure. That's for sure. So you have some key messages in your book, Life Always Has Hope. Did you ever run out of hope? Not really, no. Family is everything, so that's very important to you. Right. You also say, uh, one of another message in your book, freedom and health are the most important things a person can have. That's right. And this is a very interesting statement. There is almost nothing worse than starvation. Did you ever face that possibility? Yes, there wasn't much to eat. So you remember being very hungry. Yes, sir. Now, was that when you were in Germany before you went to Austria or in both places? Uh, Germany. Germany. But you also say you can overcome anything if you try hard enough. That's true. So that you learned from your mother and father. You also learned it, I guess, just going through some really tough experiences. That's right. What, what gave you the overall strength to survive? Faith in God. Faith in God? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And what do you think young people especially could learn and benefit from reading your book? I don't really know how to answer that. To have faith. Have faith? Mm-hmm. Well, you say you're a survivor, you love life, and you love America. Yeah. And also that the German people did not know what was going on under under Hitler, and when they found out, they were too afraid to tell, huh? That's correct. You get shot if you open your mouth. Mm. You also have a great faith in people. You say good people are everywhere. Good people everywhere. And you can endure and almost and and overcome just about anything. Yes. Well, it took you uh, almost 50 years... F- To graduate from college, was it worth it? Yes. (laughs) It was a wonderful experience. Wonderful experience. What what was your degree in? General Ed. General Ed? Okay. Mm -hmm. Very good. Well, Lisa, we really appreciate you being with us on Author Talk. Now, the title of your book is Rising to the Light, and everyone can get it by going to authorhouse.com. do you have a website? Did, did Author House make you a website? No, I don't remember that. I don't think so. Okay. All right. Well, of course, and everyone can order it through other retail online bookstore right. sites like Barnes & Noble and right. Amazon, right? And your name is Lisa Mahorney. It's M-E-H-O-R-N-A-Y. Lisa Mahorney. Correct. we are thrilled and honored to have you on Author Talk, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Hey, moms, juggle your hats with our mom of many hats, Angie Mazzillo. Friday afternoons at 5 Eastern, 4 Central on the Mom to Mom Network. Moms are always juggling their hats. 
And sometimes it's easy for moms to forget their value when life calls for switching from role to role. But the ability to juggle so many hats is priceless. She is never just a mom. She's a decision maker, coordinator, creative genius, counselor, a friend, an authority, and a leader in her household. On Mom of Many Hats Radio, we'll be talking about the hats that you as a mom juggle. We'll acknowledge your importance and support in helping you and all moms to not just defend your value, but to believe in your value. For more on the show and Angie, check out her website, azmamaminihats.com. She is a strong woman. She is powerful. She is wonderful. And she is valuable. Mom of Many Hats with Angie Mazzillo. Friday afternoons at 5 Eastern, 4 Central on the Mom to Mom Network. Girlfriended is on Toginet. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, with your hosts Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out girlfriended.com. And then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk. Brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, Allergies and Awesome You. Believe you can get there too. And the author is Dr. Atul N. Shaw. And Dr. Shaw joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Dr. Shaw. Hello, Mr. Chergensen. Uh, thank you for having me on your Author Talk radio show. Well, this is going to be packed with information of helping people who suffer with allergies. You point out one in five, and obviously it makes life miserable. Let me read a couple things, though, that you have written, just so everyone understands the breadth of of your book. Can you imagine your life allergy-free? Yes, yes, and yes, it is possible. Now it's your turn. The Amazing Allergist will show you how. This book is part of the Amazing Allergist awesome series that empowers allergic children to live great lives. It is a byproduct of the author's extensive knowledge, vast experiences, and desire to make a difference. One allergic child at a time. So, Dr. Shaw, you've been at this for quite a while. Absolutely, and uh, thanks for the great introduction. You've seen how many patients? Uh, By now, I have personally seen more than 20,000 patients, and I might have affected more than 100,000 lives through my work. So, this is the first book in a series uh, strictly focused on solving a person's allergy problem? That's correct. Uh, this is my way of making a difference uh, in the lives of allergic children as well as individuals. So we get to meet uh, Jack and Samantha. And uh, what age group or would you say your readers would be? The first book in the series is called Allergies and Awesome You. 
uh, believe you can get there too. And it's a story between Jack and Samantha, and it's designed for uh, audience between age four and eight. At the same time, there are a lot of contents at the end of the book that would help parents to understand about allergies as well as help their children. Well, let's get right down to some basic questions. What would you, how would you define an allergy? Uh, as you know, Steve, uh, allergies, people believe, is a weak immune system. But by definition, allergy is an overactive immune response to something that's harmless. For example, a child who has tree pollen allergy will overreact to tree pollen. That will cause them to have runny nose, sneezing, itchy eyes, watery eyes, sneezing, coughing. At the same time, same tree pollen to the child who is not allergic would not trigger any symptoms. So by definition, allergy is an overactive immune response to a substance that is harmless. Would you say that there are more people today with allergies than ever before? Absolutely, absolutely. And there are many reasons. Uh, One of them is obviously the world population is growing. We are becoming more civilized. And allergy is considered a disease of civilization. So we have many more uh, allergic individuals in developed countries like uh, the U.S., the U.K., uh, Australia, Europe, while it's relatively less common uh, or less prevalent in developing countries like India, parts of Africa, parts of South Asia. So this is a fun story of a boy named Jack and a girl named Samantha who are playing soccer, but Samantha is really struggling. That's correct. Uh, Jack used to struggle. Uh, He had allergies, but he did something to get better from allergies. Uh, They both are on the soccer field. Uh, It's a peak time of the year where the tree pollen is very high. They're playing on the grass soccer field. And while they're playing, Jack notices that Samantha has runny nose, sneezing, red eyes. She's not enjoying being on the soccer field. While Jack had allergies, but through the steps he took, now he's having a great life. He's enjoying being on the soccer field. And through the story, uh, he tell Samantha what he did to get better. Great illustrations. Oh, thank you. Really brings it to life. Very, very well done. Very colorful. Very, uh, um, you know, almost true to life. It's it's not a cartoon, but they're really drawn very, very well. Well, I'm, I'm very thankful to my team. I gave my thoughts, my ideas, and we found very talented uh, artists and uh, team was able to put it together. So for a parent, what are the signs and symptoms of this, these allergies? If they notice that a child has constant runny nose, or sometimes parent, parents will think they're getting frequent colds, in reality it may not be cold. It might be an underlying indoor or outdoor allergies. They can also have sneezing, congestion. Uh, some children have snoring at night. They might be clearing their throat. They may have a stuffy nose that makes them uh, cranky or congested. Uh, Children can also have red, itchy, watery eyes if there's pollen allergy, especially when they're outdoors. Children who have underlying asthma, asthma can also be triggered by allergies. What are the complications of allergies are left untreated in children? The environmental allergies by themselves may not be life-threatening, but they do affect quality of life. 
especially a child who is congested, who is not enjoying life, can be very cranky. If a child gets cranky, it affects the whole family. And that's the most important to me, to make sure that they all have improved quality of life. Uh, from medical point of view, if allergies are left untreated, children can develop uh, underlying sinus swelling. They can also have fluids in the ear. They can get frequent ear infections that can affect their hearing. Uh, if child does not sleep well because of allergy, it affects their concentration during daytime, which can also affect their learning. And if learning is affected, it can affect their future. Uh, many children who are mouth breathers, they also start uh, getting uh, teeth that are not aligned. So there are many, many uh, complications that can uh, affect child as well as uh, parents. And obviously, it's a far-reaching consequence. How do you diagnose allergy? The most important part is the history. Uh, all allergy specialists, including our practice, we spend time in asking a lot of questions, trying to see uh, what symptoms they have. Then obviously, child is examined to see if they have signs of allergy, which can be circles under the eyes. They may have swelling inside the nose. We may see some fluid in the ears. Once the suspicion is there that child may have allergies, then we put them through allergy skin test. And science has reached to a point now where allergy skin tests can be done without needles. Uh, some children still require blood tests. Majority of them can be done without the blood test. Once we diagnose what uh, allergies they have, through the skin test, we correlate them with their symptoms to make sure that their symptoms are associated with uh, what we found through the skin test. And that these allergies can be fixed once diagnosed? Absolutely, absolutely. And that's the theme of my book, that many patients who have allergies, they believe that they will have to live with their allergies for the rest of their life and especially a child who has allergy does not know what they're feeling. And parents may not know how to help their own child. Uh, my message in the book is no matter how severe allergies are, there is something that can be done that will definitely improve the quality of life. And drug-free treatment options as well. Absolutely. Uh, the, the management of allergy is uh, combined. There are a few basic steps. Once we diagnose what allergies they have, the most important step is to avoid what they're allergic to. For example, if someone has very high dust mite allergy, then we give them instructions on how to reduce the dust mite exposure. If they have dog or cat allergy, then they are given instructions accordingly. The step after that is to use non-medication options, including salt water gargles, steam, uh, nasal lavage, washing the sinuses, all that help reduce the allergen sitting in the nose or the sinuses or in the eyes. And when we do that, it reduces the severity of allergies. And obviously, there are some medications that can be used as a preventive so that allergies don't get worse during peak season. And allergy immunotherapy or allergy shots, it's a very long-term way of fixing the allergies. When do we need to see, as a parent, when we see our children suffering, you know, how quickly do we need to get them to an allergy specialist? 
most of the time, uh, parents can do something about it at home. And it all starts with education and knowledge. So these days, there are a lot of resources out there, including certain websites, including our book-related website called AmazingAllergies.com. Once they know what can be done, uh, they may implement those steps at home. If that does not work, they can obviously consult their general physician or pediatrician. And if pediatricians cannot help, then obviously allergy specialists are out there who can help them. You claim that we can live allergy-free. That, that is a, quite a statement. Absolutely. So there's a, obviously a number of things we need to do. It, it's very, uh, though, unique to each person. That, that's correct, because as a unique individual, uh, we have unique allergies, and that's where history or asking question helps, but allergy skin test helps us decide what allergies they may have. And the treatment plan or the guidance is directly related to individual person's allergies. What is the link between allergies and asthma? There is a direct link that almost 80% of patients with asthma have underlying allergies, which means if you meet five asthma patients, at least four out of five will have underlying allergies. And if we treat the allergies, their asthma gets better, uh, which also means their quality of life with asthma will improve and their need for medication will go down also. So you have uh, information in the book. Uh, you have wonderful free resources and links. Uh, and you have, uh, in fact, you have a checklist for a great and healthy life. Maybe we need to point out some things that maybe aren't so obvious. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, my team and myself uh, have worked hard to put together a lot of resources. And it's an ongoing thing. So we have created uh, resources on the website, and those links are at the end of the book. We have also listed all the common allergy medications available in the United States, uh, including the names of uh, pills, liquids, nose sprays, eye drops, uh, the medications that are used for allergic conditions. Uh, also, there are some non-treatment options that can be used are listed uh, also, we have frequently asked questions section where what is allergy, how is allergy treated, uh, what can we do at home. All those questions are answered at the end of the book. And that's what I mentioned, that even though it's designed for a child, uh, the book has a lot of information that uh, other allergic individuals or parents can learn from. And it gives children hope that they can get over this uh, problem that really uh, is so hard on them. Absolutely, because at the age four, five, six, child who has congestion or has frequent colds do not understand why they feel that way. And the story of Jack and Samantha through illustrations, through the story, will empower the child to believe that uh, even if they have symptoms, they can be like Jack right steps they take, uh, they will have a great life ahead of them, allergy-free. And as you point out, the third most common chronic disease among children under 18 years of age. That's correct. Uh, CDC has estimated that up to 40% of U.S. children under age 18 have some form of allergies. And of course, the cost is uh, just uh, astronomical. 
Absolutely. It's believed that the total cost of uh, allergy treatment in U.S. only might be around $7 billion per year. And part of the proceeds from your book, what are you going to use that for? Uh, we are blessed to say that part of proceeds from this book uh, will help us fund the research and education in the field of allergy, asthma, and immunology. And we also support uh, a lot of national, international, as well as local charities uh, through our work as well as through my team's work. We've been talking with Dr. Atul N. Shaw. Dr. Shaw is the author of his book, Allergies and Awesome You. Believe you can get there, too. Dr. Shaw, tell us how to get your book. Uh, thank you for asking that. Uh, the book is available at uh, many major uh, booksellers uh, in the store as well as uh, on Amazon.com, BarnesandNobles.com. Uh, but you can learn more about our website at our website, AmazingAllergist.com. And we continue to add more and more educational information through my blogs, Facebook, as well as Twitter accounts. So your audience or your listeners, if they want to learn more about how to get the book as well as how to use some free resources, they can visit us at AmazingAllergist.com. Thank you, Dr. Shaw, for being with us on Author Talk. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for the opportunity to uh, spread the message that allergic individuals have a potential to live great lives allergy-free. Thank you. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Whether you're four and a half or 100, you can retrain your brain. Learning RX, the radio show, is on Toginet.com, Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time with Martin Kruger. Learning RX programs are quick, they're efficient, they're life changing, and they're permanent. Unlike tutoring, cognitive skills training or brain training targets the root issue causing learning struggles. Time and money spent on chronic tutoring is a clear signal of cognitive skill deficiency. That's where Learning RX comes in. Call today, 903-617-6899, 903-617-6899. Then join us for the show here every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. And take advantage of the power it holds to improve your life. There are so many brain training issues that Learning RX can help you with. It's not a product, it's an experience. So join us for Learning RX, the radio show with Martin Kruger. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start Living Inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House. 
helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, Matchless, and the author is Mr. Anonymous, and Mr. Anonymous joins us now on Author Talk. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Anonymous. Hello, how you doing? <laughs> this has a great, happy ending. Uh, it's a, You call it a semi-fictional memoir of your internet dating journey. And it's a self-help book with internet dating tips and warnings and protocols, even as a comic look back at your life as an internet dater. And, and of course, a love story for our ages, the post-married dating crowd. I mean, this one has a happy ending because you're going to get married soon. Yes, I am. Actually, I'm engaged and I'll be married in July. So, Well, congratulations. I can go forward to it. Yeah, it was kind of the, she, she is the final chapter of the book. Right. Well, of course, the final chapter of the book and uh, the new chapter in your life. So fantastic. Exactly. Well, Mr. Anonymous, uh, of course, we're protecting all the uh, innocent here, including yourself, I guess. Yes. <laughs> I think I wrote it anonymously for a couple of reasons. One, I think it helps me to write more honestly. Sure. And I am engaged, and I don't know if, you know, I just like to keep it, you know, between me and her. Sure. You know, her being the final chapter, my fiancé. And, um, you know, in a lot of ways, Internet dating is like anonymous dating. I mean, you really start out, you could be anybody until the first meet. So I thought it was kind of a catchy way to present it. So after 20 years of marriage, you found yourself single. You've got some kids. Uh, you're not knowing what you're going to do. What prompted you to start using the Internet? Basically, it was, a, it was an advice from a younger associate that I work with. Because honestly, what last time I dated, I don't even think the internet was around, or if it was, I think Vice President Gore was just getting started. <laughs> so it it was all new to me. I mean, honestly, I think the only computer I had was an old Commodore 64 that we used to play some golf game on it. So it was all new to me, and you know, I'm really not into going out to clubs and bars and things like that. So I just found it it was kind of intriguing. I remember when I first talked to him, he mentioned the word internet dating, and I just, you know, I think the word kind of hung in the air, and I thought, you know, this is something I got to try. Well, you call yourself a regular, normal, dateable guy, so you're kind of like your target audience, and you, you know, you got some advice, uh, obviously, uh, you got some advice from someone to try this, but how should one get started with internet dating? You know, I think if you're, especially for folks in my age bracket, you know, approaching 50 years of age, if you've never done it, I, I personally think it's the best use of the internet ever. And really to get started, you just kind of have to pick a site and just jump into it. You know, in my book, I do offer a lot of Internet dating tips and protocols and warnings, but there's a lot to know. I mean, just from what kind of screen name should you use to filling out your questionnaire, things like that. You know, for example, money's a good topic. You know, I guess what they say is money, it's, it's in relation to something. You really don't know what it's in relation to, so it's best just not to answer that question. You know, when I first started, I answered all the questions and just filled it out. So I think, you know, there's a lot to, to know, and it just takes a bit of kind of wading through the process, but, you know, it's a lot to learn. Well, what was the most difficult thing when you started Internet dating? You know, I think it was probably just getting started. Once I jumped into it, it all kind of happened pretty quickly. I think a lot of people are reluctant to do it. I was reluctant to do it, thinking, you know, this isn't for me. Normal people don't do this. But once I started, once I made that initial step, you know, I started kind of shopping around for ladies, so to speak, on the Internet, and personally, I love first dates. I just absolutely enjoy first dates. I, 
you know, had no problem with meeting somebody for the first time. So really the most difficult thing for me was getting started. Now there's got to be, uh, are there some tips you can give, uh, protocol? How do we deal with, you know, selecting that first one? Well, I was pretty non-selective, thus the content for the book. And I kind of break my dates up into three different categories, one-hit wonders, relationships, and then love. There was only one love. I had a whole host of one-hit wonders, meaning it was one date and done. Relationships, you kind of spent some time together, but for whatever reason, it didn't work out. But I think to be selective, I think it's more important for the, well, it's probably equally important for the ladies and the guys, but maybe more so for the ladies. And I think the women like to get to know you on the Internet and correspond I think the men kind of like the hunting aspect, you know, just going out there and looking around. So I think the only thing initially is be a little bit selective. Try and find someone who does have interests and likes that you like, you know, similar backgrounds, things like that. It just makes the process a whole lot easier. Now, you spent two years on the Internet of trying to find that special someone. Is there a time, general timetable here? You know, I don't know. I mean, it's funny. In my journey, I found a lot of people, which I call them, serial daters. They're never going to go off the internet. I mean, they just want to date for the rest of their lives. So I don't know. I mean, I think when it happens, it happens. I think you know it. It's kind of a funny way to look at it, but I think you know the person's the right person when you both decide to get off the match together. I think that's kind of the new I love you for this, for, for internet daters. No, you didn't. But, it's hard, but I really can't give it a time limit. You know, for me, it took two years. I'm sure other people, it was a little bit quicker, and I'm sure there's other folks still on there. You didn't find very much written about this. No, and there really isn't a lot of books about it, especially from a self-help kind of protocol. So, you know, and I would tell some of my friends, some of my buddies about my Internet dating sagas, and they would laugh. And, you know, I often heard the comment, you really ought to write a book about this. It's hilarious. So that's what I decided to do. But within my book, I wanted to kind of interwind some self-help tips. So I have everything from getting started, how to select a good screen name, to, you know, what's the process. Typically, I would send out about 20 emails or winks and just to see, who, you know, just from people that I was interested in, and then you wait for the responses. And then from there, you usually get one or two that you start a dialogue with, and then out of that, you pretty much end up going out with one. Uh, do you give some examples of the interchanges? Yeah, I do. I mean, the, the book is kind of broken up into first getting started, the whole process of the Internet, you know, how to select a, uh, you know, how to select a uh, internet dating company that you want to work with. You know, they're all pretty similar. I think the funny thing I found, you know, they all claim that they're free, but they charge you when you want to contact somebody. Well, I mean, isn't that the point? <laughs> right. So, you know, they cost, you know, I don't know what it is, $30, $40 a month, but it's well worth it. Right. Well, it's a business, and look at the result if you're like you. You exactly. Know, and get the great it's result. a great way to meet people. I think a lot of guys get all dressed up. They head out to some nightclub and they probably have too much to drink. They walk around the bar all night looking at ladies they want to talk to and they never do. So this way it's kind of a prearranged meet. And, you know, I think for the first meet it's very important. You, can, you don't want to make it anything too long. You know, I think, you know, maybe drinks and appetizers after work, coffee at Starbucks, something like that. You don't want it to be a full-fledged dinner for the first time. For obvious reasons, you could be stuck with someone you don't want to be with or she could be stuck with you. Certainly, this is serious, uh, obviously a very serious subject, but at the same time, you put the humor edge to it. Yeah, I did, because I, I really had a ball with it. I just absolutely enjoyed Internet dating. You know, and I wasn't that selective. I'm the kind of guy who, you know, I had no problem meeting anybody, you know, for the first time. You know, I dated a homeless girl. I called her Urban Chic, which later I found out she was homeless. You know, I dated a woman who really just wanted to eat chicken wings. 
That that was a really interesting (laughs) night. You know, I dated a younger girl who basically walked out of the first date because she didn't, you know, because I was very honest and told her I didn't want to have any more children. That's a that's a deal breaker at our age. Either you want more kids or you don't. I have three children. Two of them are in college. I did offer them to adopt my two college age kids, but she didn't go for it. Well, here's a tough question. Did you regret any of your dates? You know, I don't think I did. In, in a weird kind of way, I think they all contributed to my final relationship or my final, the woman I fell in love with and who I'm engaged to, my fiance. And it's not that I would have loved her any more or less, but I do appreciate her more. Because I went out with some real strange people. And, you know, it's no fault of the dating companies. They're just an Internet provider. They just provide a, a format for two people to kind of get to know each other electronically and then to see if it, you know, enters the physical realm. So, no, I really don't regret any of my dates. Towards the end of my saga, though, I was getting a little bit tired of, tired of it and I was ready to walk away from it. And, and that's when I met my fiancé. Obviously, when you go through what you went through after 20 years of divorce, it could really affect your self-esteem. It really could affect your whole emotional level. You may not think, you know, who, who's going to love me? I mean, is this process, that help you get back to that you can be loved again? Absolutely. It really did. And I think there's a lot of people in my age group that after 20 years of marriage, you will find yourself divorced and alone. What do you do? How do you start over again? I think there's a lot of lonely people out there who may want to have another relationship, but aren't just really sure how to go about it. They're not out and about like they may have been when they were younger. So yeah, it it did help my self-esteem. It was interesting not dating in 20 years and then dating again. You're really not, you know, you forget a lot of the little things. So uh, it did help my self-esteem. It was good to get out there and date again and to meet people and just to kind of, you know, socially be out and out and about. Someone listening to this interview may say, well, you sound pretty confident, Mr. Anonymous. Uh, Can I do this? Can anyone do this? Yeah, really anyone can do it. I really think there's somebody out there for everybody. You just kind of have to wade through a few first dates to find them. But what I like about Internet dating, it's just uh, it's kind of a preset way to meet somebody. You know, it's almost like a, a blind date where you don't have to be fixed up by a friend, and then if it goes wrong, you're worried about your relationship with that friend. I have a few of those as well. But, uh, so that's what I like about Internet dating. Really, anybody can do it. You just kind of kind of put yourself out there. You know, it, it, honestly, you, know, you may send someone an email or a wink and not get a response. It's somewhat hurtful, but I usually blame them. I'm sure they got you know, hit by a train that afternoon and couldn't get back to me. <laughs> and you're going to share your mistakes I am. I, you know, and I, I give a lot of good tips in there. I mean, I think everybody has somebody out there for them, you know, and, and there's different kinds of people in the world. It's interesting, these Internet profiles, they ask you about certain things. But, uh, yeah, I'll share my mistakes in the book. I share, you know, the good dates, the bad dates, the ugly dates. I share it all. Also, throughout the book, I inter- interwove these, like, you know, little tips. I call them Internet dating tips and protocols and warnings. You know, one my son actually taught me. He's like a college-age kid. He's really into technology. He taught me a way to hit my phone so to make it ring, so I kind of pretend phone call. So I actually, this date was just terrible. It was with a cat leash. I was in her, and I went to pick her up at her house. She must have had 36 cats. I'm, I'm a dog guy. So I actually hit the call. It rang myself, and I pretend, this is awful to admit this, but I pretend called myself that my younger daughter was stuck at the mall. She got ditched by her friends, and I had to go help her. So in the end, it worked. It got me out of the date. Well, and in the end, it saved her a lot of emotional roller coaster, I guess, as well. Probably. And that's a good one for the ladies. You know, I commented in my book, you know, I'm a normal guy. 
you know, I've never been in a witness protection program. I don't live in my mother's basement. But there's a lot of strange guys out there. So one of the first and foremost rules of Internet dating, especially for ladies, don't ever, you know, let the guy know where you live, have him pick him up at your house, mm. or really be alone in his car until you kind of roll out any and all sociopathic tendencies. Mm. And that, yeah. that may take a few dates. Yeah, and that obviously is a very serious edge to your book. Yeah, you want to be safe and smart about it. You know, meet in public places, you know, restaurants, things like that. After work, you know, have a drink and some appetizers. Yeah, you definitely want to meet in public. Well, it sounds like a male book only because it's from your point of view. Can females learn from this as well? You know, I think they can because I am a guy, a typical guy at that, and I think it's always easier to criticize the other team. So I think there's more kind of tips for women in there as there are for men. You know, especially when it comes to screen names. I'll list some examples of some of the screen names. Yeah, I'm amazed what some people put down. One is Stalker. <laughs> you know, Any Honest One's Left. Uh, a whole bunch of them. But, you know, you've got to think about how is a guy going to read this and what's he going to think about it. Right, right. So well, there's, there's tips in there from, you know, how to do your screen name, filling out the profiles correctly. You know, a lot of people don't really fill out the profiles in that what they like or are interested in. They kind of think of it what they would like to become someday. So, you know, for example, if you never played tennis once in your life, just don't check the box. Well, you put this adventure twist on it, a uh, little slant. It's, it's, let's have fun with it, right? And, and you're going to meet some great people. You really are. I mean, I really don't regret any of my dates. And I had some really bad dates. I really did. One date, I mean, I'm, I'm approaching 50. And if this woman, you know, she was much older. She had to be in her late 70s or 80s. But she was such a sweet and charming lady. We just had the nicest conversation. And, you know, we both know it wasn't going anywhere, but I didn't regret that date in the least. So I think it's a great way to meet people and to kind of, you know, to, to get back out there in kind of a social environment, especially after a long divorce. I mean, I don't think any divorces are good. Mine was kind of rough, and, you know, it's still somewhat not over, but um, it's one of those things. If you really want to move on after divorce and meet people, you can do this. And I guess in the when it really down to the bottom line, the end justifies the means because look at you. Yeah, exactly. I'm engaged to be married, and I think I'm as happy as I ever was. But she's a wonderful lady. We actually met online. Uh, you know, and actually we came from the same hometown, and we didn't even know each other. You know, it's not that big of a town, and I think that's the way it works for a lot of people. There may be a great guy, you know, a half a mile from you, you're never going to know. So this way, at least if you're out there internet dating, you do meet people. But yeah, we felt we met on match, fell in love, and we're going to be married this summer. Well, it's obvious that there is life after divorce, especially in this high-tech world, and you're proof. Exactly. And, yeah, you know, it's funny. I'm not that much of a high-tech guy, but, you know, and I'm not a big user of the Internet. If I'm taking a vacation, I may check out travel sites, things like that. But, honestly, without a doubt, I think this is by far the best use of the Internet ever. You know, from a guy's perspective, you could, you know, sit at home in a dirty old sweatshirt you had since college and peruse the Internet and find somebody that catches your interest that you may want to start a relationship with. We've been talking to Mr. Anonymous. He is the author of his book, Matchless. Uh, tell us how to get your book. Uh, the book is available at Amazon.com and also with Author House. Well, we appreciate you being with us. Uh, very insightful and obvious. You're living proof that it works. Well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to you. And, yeah, it's one of those things. I hope this book helps some people who don't want to be lonely to get out there and uh, to see what's out there and to start dating again, if that's what you want to do. 